as I have been spending time before the Lord in this last little while, I guess that's been one of the benefits of COVID. Lots of time. And I, I felt like the Lord laid on my heart. Oh, Sunday school, dismiss Sunday school. Okay, go ahead, dismiss Sunday school. And I'm sure there's a lot of you here that could bear witness to the work of God in your lives <coughs> and in your situations. But I want to talk about the keys of the kingdom. And this is a two-part series. And so today I want to deal with, with whom the, the keys work and how God had to come to the early church and expose who he was to them 50 years after the cross. And I got very intrigued with that because there's some things that he revealed to those early churches that I believe we need to understand today. <clears throat> we, are, we are humans, right? <laughs> and that's not bad. It's just a fact. And I want to just quote a couple passages of scripture before I get into the, to what the Lord has given me to say. In Isaiah chapter 55, he says, my thoughts are not like your thoughts. And my ways are not like your ways. And what he was saying, there's two thought processes. There's the divine and the human. And he said, they don't match. And unless, unless God comes and invades our hearts, we are left to our own thinking. But when he comes and invades us and gives us a revelation, he gives us enough information <coughs> so that he infiltrates into our thoughts, his thoughts, and he infiltrates into our, into our ways, his ways. <coughs> and if God didn't do that, we would just be left where we are. Another verse that I just want to make reference to is when Matthew said, wrote, he said, <laughs> this is what Jesus declared. He said, I'm going to build my church. It, it's his church. You are his church. And I want you to know that this, this relates to what Pastor David has been actually preaching for the last few weeks. God didn't begin a dissipating project. God did not begin a dissipating project, meaning he doesn't expect our lives to stay where we are or go backwards. It means it's not going to dissipate, it's going to accelerate now if God wants to accelerate your hearts and minds in relationship to who he is because we don't really understand <coughs> how powerful the keys are if we don't know who he is 
And 50 years after the cross, Jesus comes to the Ephesian church, to the Colossian church, and to the Hebrew church, and he, he actually reveals and he, he brings forth the voice of creation. And he did it for a very good purpose. In John's gospel, chapter 1, verse 3, reveals who the creator was. Why, why was that necessary? Because he said, I am Alpha and Omega. I started everything. I, st I started everything. You are here because of what I started. You're here because God has a plan. You're here because God has the power. You're here because God has the purpose. And God has the results. It's all about him. He started it. So he says, I'm Alpha and I'm Omega. What I started, I will carry through to the end. That's one of the, that's one of the messages of creation. The other message is this. In John 1, verse 3, all things came into being by him. Now, we read that and we say, well, I guess God was the creator. That's true. But what's he saying by saying that? I hope our heart gets this message. He brought into being, into our hearts, what he spoke. And creation is to reveal with, to us the power of the spoken word of God. So that we can understand when he talks about the keys, he spoke the keys into existence. That's why they work. And this is the importance of the creation voice. Another thought that went through my mind, you know, God is uncompromisingly. He does not compromise, yet he does not condemn. So what does he do? In his sovereign plan, he knew man was going to fall, and so he provided a way, which means the cross, to bring us into his image and his likeness and where he is without compromising. That's sovereign plan. <clears throat> it, it's, it's amazing. The plan of God is so infallible that you and I, when we walk with him, we will never fail. The flesh will fail, but the new creation will never fail. Creation teaches us that God has the power to create and activate what he wants to have and do. <clears throat> and he wants us to relate that to our personal life. God has the power to create and do in your life his passion and desires and his will. Why? Because he is supreme, sovereign, and all-powerful. Some of these words kind of go, they fade into the background. And 50 years after, these churches are existing, and, and God comes by the Holy Spirit and reminds them about creation. 
because creation reveals who he is, what can he do, and the power of what he said. And I think God wants to, us to, to get a hold of that. We don't function in our thoughts. And understand everything. Unless God comes and invades our thoughts, reveals to us, imparts in us, we're just left where we are. But that's not God's plan. I believe God wants to accelerate our lives into a reality of a greater expectation because I believe he wants to reveal to each one of you something special for your life. Because we are his house, here's where he lives. It's who he is in us. And he's saying, I'm so much more in you than you realize. As I read John 1, 3, everything comes into my, <laughs> into being uh, by him. This reminded me how God has encountered me many times as I have traveled to different nations. John 1. Because I saw him working with what I read in John 1, verse 3. Sovereign ability to do whatever he's going to do wherever you are. It's amazing. It's amazing because you never got forget those moments. I can articulate every moment in every nation that I was in because what happens is he infuses in our hearts and in our minds who he is in what he's doing, and you never forget it. It just stays with you. It becomes your testimony. It becomes the testimony of Almighty God, what he did through you with your human thinking by infusing something into you and I that we don't have within ourselves. How many of you desire God to coalesce and involve you in what he was doing in a greater way? I, I, I don't know about you, but I live there. I, I cannot spiritually sit still because it's too boring. I love it when I'm working with God. I love it when God is interacting. I have been studying for the last few weeks. I can't, get, I can't stop studying. And God has just opened up the word to me in a way that I have never seen before. And I, I believe that all of our hearts are in that condition because God has made it that way. We are, we are such a privileged people because he does in us what we need for him to do something. <laughs> Hallelujah. As I read and study the word of God, I keep discovering that no one can ever escape 
the sovereign plan of God. Even when you think you're not going anywhere, his sovereign plan is still in his heart and in his mind. And it will never, ever stop. Never. God gave mankind a responsivity. Let me explain to you what that means. He gave a measure of his increase of achievements in your life. He gave a measurement of achievements in your life. And you responded to it. He also gave a measure, an advantage to function as he enlarges and develops your faith. He's really interested in life in the house. Enlarging our faith cooperates with what Jesus gave Pastor David to say. What is it really like? What does he think about our love for one another? We're the house of love. Well, he thinks his thoughts. And he wants to bring us into his thinking on how to love one another. He wants me to think he wants to bring his thoughts into my thinking how to love my wife like he loved the church. Because that's who he is. He can't be anything different than who he is. And he can't think anything different than his sovereign eternal plan. It is he who designed all things. It's his plan. He sovereignly orchestrated everything as a major part of the plan for his house. When we worship, it's his plan. When we hear the word, it's his plan. When we give, it's his plan. Everything's the plan of God. And we want to argue, well, I don't know if tithing is for, we could see. You almost think our thoughts know better than God. And we have theological confusion. Because we don't make Jesus the supremacy of our life. We believe something that somebody else said that doesn't even cooperate with the word because we don't want to do it. Whoops. It's true. But I think God has a, a higher call than that for us. I believe his call is infallible and it's not arguable. You can argue about what I say. But you cannot argue with what he says. Well, you can, but you won't get anywhere. It's a dead-end road. I remember Japan, Costa Rica, Brazil, Vietnam, Peru, Mexico. How God 
in his supremacy and his sovereignty and his power did things that we couldn't do. He just, he just did them because that's who he is. I, I could spend the rest of the time telling you about those stories, but I think his word is more important. God saw the necessity. Listen to me. God saw the necessity that the Ephesian, Colossian, Hebrew church needed to hear the voice of creation again. Because he said it. In Ephesians, here's what he had to say to the Ephesian church about creation. In Christ, we, have, we were chosen to be God's people and have received a part of our inheritance. Now listen to this. Because from the beginning, God. Why did they need to hear that? Because they need to understand what he started, he continues to do. What he started is supposed to be alive in our hearts. Man, you're quiet. I'm glad I got one cheerleader here. But do, do you hear what I'm saying? Like, I, I just study this. Like, God, take me higher. Bring me up to your level of thinking. You put your thoughts in my mind that override my humanity and bring me into divinity. Because from the beginning, God. They needed to hear that 50 years later. And I said to Pastor David this morning, it's almost been 50 years since we got this, started this work. And God is reminding me of this. This is for me. I've been studying it. I'm thinking, Lord, you're taking me back to creation. You're taking me back and telling me, because of you, I have been chosen. I have been given an inheritance. You have brought me into divinity's wealth. That's what he's saying to me. Ah, it's amazing. In the book of Revelation, <coughs> he is saying, I want the church to know. There's something in the book of Revelation that God wants every church to know. I started everything and I will bring also an end because I am the almighty, all-powerful, sovereign God. That's the essence of God in Revelation. He says, here I am. He said, I am. What do you say? The Lord God says, I am Alpha. I am Omega. 
I am the beginning, and I'm on the end of everything, and you're walking with me. And he wants every church, the seven churches, to hear this. So we have in Ephesians, he comes to the church in Ephesians. And in Revelation, he's still coming to the church with creation, with who he is, revealing, I, I, I just started everything. I'm the one who was before anything came into existence. I'm the one who is, and I'm the one who's coming, and you're walking with me as we go down that road. Revelation 1, verse 10. On the Lord's day, this, this just really excites me. On the Lord's day. Now that we argue about who the, what the Lord's day is and when it is and all that stuff. But this particular writer says, a Sunday when Christians met for worship. It was the day of resurrection. The day of resurrection was the Lord's day. Not just a rest, but it was the day he rose from the dead. That's the day they celebrated. That's why Sunday becomes our day. Oh, well, you know, no, no. Anyway, I don't want to get into that. I'm not here to deal with controversy. I'm just here to say. And on the, on the Lord's day, this is what happened to John. He fell into a state of a deep spiritual communion with God. And in that deep state of communion with God, he heard a voice. He heard a voice. I heard a vo loud voice behind me that sounded like a trumpet. And of course, they always blew the trumpet when something divine was going to appear or something divine was going to be said. You can find it in the Old Testament, Exodus 19. And in Revelation chapter 11, the voice said, the voice said, now this is before he even turned around to find out where the voice was coming from. The voice said, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, and he names them. In 1 verse 12, I turned to see who was talking with me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Now we know from the interpretation in Revelation, it says those are the churches. And here's what he said. I saw seven golden lampstands, and someone and someone among the lampstand who was like the Son of Man, referring to Jesus. And after all of these years, no matter what condition those seven churches were in, Jesus was standing in the midst of them. They were his house. They were his house in the city. He doesn't abandon his home. We might, 
but he doesn't abandon his house. And so to the lukewarm, he's there. To the ones burning with fire, he's there. He is and cares for his house. So no matter where we are, Jesus is in the midst. No matter where you are, he is with you. No matter what circumstances, condition you find yourself in, Jesus is in the midst of you. He's right with you. Why? Because he owns you. He bought you with a price, and he doesn't want to give you away. He is constantly inviting us. He is constantly inviting us. His end time church from where we were, from where we are, and to be always where he is. He's a 24-7 God. Thank you, Jesus. What an infallible plan. I mean, we may have our fallibilities, but when we walk with him, he takes care of them. We may not think right, but when we walk with him, he helps us to get right thinking. Why? Because you are his house. You're special to him. He gave his son to redeem your soul. He paid the highest price ever for any house ever bought. In. And you're it. We're it. He longs always, no matter our condition, to constantly bringing us into his present tense reality in other words it's like this when I wake up in the morning God is saying I'm here be with me in my present tense walk with me in my present tense with you I am present with you all the time and he wants to bring us into the reality of his present tense every day hallelujah he doesn't say to us I'll just see if you can make it we don't even treat our kids that way. You know, I heard one preacher say, he said, you know, we have a problem with predestination. He says, the problem is, is we have the problem, not God. Because before anything was created, he predestinated the earth. He predestined the cosmos. He predestinated you. There was nobody tell there was nobody say, hey, remember me. No, he remembered you. That's called predestination. And we argue about this stuff, but we don't look at it from God's point of view. When I was there all by myself, I said, let there be light, and there was. 
Sovereignty means he actually did something without anybody telling him what to do. And now we want to tell him what to do. We want to tell him how he thinks. We want to tell him what we think about predestination. God don't care. You're just fortunate he predestinated you. Enjoy it. It, 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 uh, I better not go there. I got to stay out of the controversy. I, used, I lived there for years. They're non-profitable. The keys are given by the preeminent Christ. Remember, when you exercise the key, the key comes from the supreme that unlocks when you use his key, you use who he is. He is the top rank, ranked and complete superiority in the whole universe. He can unlock anything at any time. And he wants you to walk with him and use the keys he's given you. My second part of this is how to use them. Exercise the keys wherever you are in life. He backs what he said he would do. If he said it would unlock, it'll unlock. If he said it'll lock, it'll lock. If he said it will loose, it will loose. If he said it will bind, it will bind. Hallelujah. You see, our authority is really rooted in what he said. It's rooted in what he said. And I'm thinking, <laughs> that's higher thinking than me. I tried to get the key into the front door of our door, and sometimes it doesn't want to go in. But by my authority, I force it in. <laughs> the key, the keys he gave us is to open things up and directly connected to his preeminent superiority, uh, superiority in the whole universe. Let me explain that to you. The whole universe. The whole universe. When, when we went, when Ona and Brenda and I went to Peru with a team of about 30 people under Pastor Jim Drown out of the States, and he had a connection there. We traveled to five or six different cities and massive evangelism, and we prayed for the sick. And... <clears throat> And all of a sudden, this, this father comes up with his child in front of me with holding his, his daughter like this, and her hands are like this, and the feet are all twisted. And I thought, oh, God, what do I do now? I didn't know nothing. I didn't even know what to say. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit quickened to me. We'll just do what Jesus did. He said to the arm, come forth. I took her arms and said, come forth. Boom, they came forth. The key was what he said. The keys, your Bible, 
The keys are in the book. Man. The necessity, listen to this. This, this. this brings us into the scene now. I want you to understand. This brings us into, the, into God's scene right now. <clears throat> the necessity of creation account to the lives of the Colossian church. Why did they have to understand creation and how did God communicate it to them that revealed who he was? Let me read it for you. Colossians 1 verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God? Preeminence and sovereignty. The firstborn of every creature, preeminence and sovereignty. By him, all things were created that are in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. Thrones and dominions and principalities about sovereignty and preeminence. He was revealing his sovereignty and his preeminence to the church. Because if they're going to walk in the keys, they have to understand that he has the preeminence, he has the sovereign, he is sovereign, and he has the power. And that's what causes us to succeed. That's what enables us to do. So he's above all principles, supremacy. He's above all, he's supreme. No matter what we face, he's supreme. He is sovereign, and he's all-powerful. Wow. They needed to hear this, and I believe we need to hear it. At least I do. I've enjoyed hearing it. And I read it over and over again. I said, Lord, I can't believe you showed this to me. I said to my wife as I was studying, I says, as I read this, I thought, wow. He said, he said that Christ, so that Christ would have the preeminence. Oh, so, so the verse must reveal his preeminence. And as I looked at it, I thought, yeah. And he is before all things. Supremacy. Sovereignty. He is, my goodness. He is above, he's before all things. By him all things consist. Superiority. Sovereignty. And he is the head of the body. That's what they needed to hear. The father was saying, my son is the head of my church. He is preeminent, sovereign, and all-powerful. I believe we need to hear that. I need to hear that in my heart. God wants to say this, listen. The Father made me the head of you. And I am supreme. I'm sovereign and I'm all powerful. Walk with me. Talk with me. Come where I am. 
follow me and we'll do great and mighty things and I will always be with you in that nature state. Wow. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness dwells. Think of that. The head of this church, in the head of this church, all the fullness dwells. We walk with someone who has all the fullness of God. Everything who God is, everything he's achieved, everything he can do, his supremacy of his thinking, his supremacy of his will, supremacy of his ability, we have it. The house of God. We are his house. He's the supreme in this house. He is the sovereign in this house. And I remember after we did all this, this one week, I come and I played the piano. I couldn't get my message. And on Friday, I came down, and I played the piano worship, and I got up, and I got, I got right down to here. And God stopped me. And he said this to me. This has been a sovereign supply. You paid nothing. I paid it all. My sovereignty is here. And as I read this, I get goosebumps because God is up to something. He doesn't just give you something and pay for everything for nothing. No, 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 no. He's up to something. And you and I are part of it together because we are his body. There's, there's his house, like a house is a family. But there is his, there's his, the Bible talks about the sanctuary. The sanctuary is the place of holiness. Then, then there's the body, each member supplying, and, and he's the head. And then there's the assembly. Kind of like three pictures. Because he wants to give us a full dimension of what he made. Amen? Now, to the Hebrew church, he says in Hebrews 11, verse 3, through faith we understand. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Why did those people need to hear that? Why did they need to hear that the God who saved you is the God whose word Spoiled everything into existence. Why did they need to hear that? Because they needed to understand his supremacy and sovereignty. We, <laughs> so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. 
But he's, what is he saying to these people? He says, I can take nothing and make something. I can, these people were being really persecuted. He says, I can take something and make nothing. Make something. I'm here with you. I'm the nothing something God. I'm not just some piece of wood that you're worshiping. I'm the living God who actually spoke things into existence. And I brought into existence when there was nothing that existed. In other words, he has the creative power to promote, to promote and speak into existence what he actually desires. Think of that for your life. He will speak into you what he desires. And when he does, it will work. It'll be seared in your mind. It'll be fused in you. God is saying, I wasn't residing in what I created. The time, space, and matter. Because none of it existed. What's he trying to say to us? He wasn't part of this world, the cosmos, because it didn't exist. Then where was he? Well, I believe Luke chapter 23, verse 43 tells us where he was. When the thief on the cross said to Jesus, remember me. And he said, today you will be with me in paradise. That's where God is. That's where Winona is. That's where my mom is. My sister, my dad. <clears throat> They're living in the place from where everything came into existence that we live in. They left the creation and went back into the sphere of the creator. The power of the voice of creation shakes things. I don't know about you, but right now, I'm shaking inside. God is God is shaking my thinking. He's shaking my values. He's shaking my lifestyle. He is, he is speaking to me about his sovereignty, supremacy, and power because that's what enables us to do what he asks us to do on this earth. I, as I love my wife, I'm walking in his supremacy. I'm walking in his sovereign plan, and I'm walking in his divine ability. That's why, as a human, I can do it. There are no excuses in God. Well, you know what? She's really ugly. Well, yeah, yeah, she's mean. 
Well, I don't know. My wife is very good looking. She invaded my life. I got to bring this to a conclusion. How am I doing, David? Thank you. In paradise, he created thousands of angels. Listen to me. Seraphims, archangels, and so on and so on and so on. What we learn in our lifetime is by analogy. Everything God made is an analogy. It's a projection of him. You are a projection of God. In creation, we see an exceeding, abundant, excessive God. Let me explain that to you. God didn't make one mountain. He made ranges of mountains. He made many different animals. Birds, flowers, food, gold, silver, iron, ore, oil, natural gas, coal. God is excessive. I'm sure glad because if he wasn't, we wouldn't have everything. God's not cheap. He's not a penny pincher. He's a penny, he's a penny maker. Then God put a natural man and woman in charge of his garden. The ones who cre he created them in his image. We are, we are an extension of God's creation. God's mandate was to Adam and Eve. Listen to this. God's mandate to Adam and Eve was to refurnish the earth like he furnished heaven. He said, replenish it. He made the garden, and he put man in it, and he says, now replenish the earth and make it like the place you're living. So your heart is like a garden. Whatever he plants, he plants in the soil of your heart. And he, what he plants, he wants it to come forth like it is in heaven. God's mandate was to... He taught his disciples to pray. He taught his disciples to pray... <clears throat> oh, for a heaven and earth connection. He, he wants to replenish the earth. You see, we are the species of divinity. Eventually, we will rule the angels. 
according to Scripture. Now, don't ask me to explain that because I don't know. To describe heaven, it's the state of eternity without sin. Time, space, world, free from sin, heaven and earth, coalesce, cleaving together. That was the original creation. The garden was without sin. It was heaven on the created earth. And there was, there was a, 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 a communion going on with God and his creation. The devil came along and thwarted the eternal plan. Now, don't try to read into what I'm saying as though I know what I'm intimating because I don't know what I'm intimating fully because I don't fully understand but this thing I want, this one thing I do know is that he said, he said, replenish the earth. Now, I don't know whether that's, I mean, I hear all kinds of preaching on that kind of stuff, but I'm not here to tell you what that is. I'm one saying he said it. <laughs> that's a problem for our mind. He said that? How is he going to do it? I don't know, but he said it. Whether it's a new heaven and a new earth or whatever, however he's going to do it, he's going to do it because God's original plan, he has not thrown it away. He hasn't forgotten about it. He's the beginning and he's the end. What he started, he will have. And we're part of it. Let me give you an example for closing. My wife tells me I need to have an example. I talked to Pastor David this morning. I said, you sound just like my wife. He's telling me about the introduction. <laughs> and, and I appreciate that. Don't get me wrong. <clears throat> the angel and Mary in the majesty of divine presence. Just get that in your mind. When the angel visited Mary, the divine presence of eternity was present. Out from the presence of his majesty, she was informed as to what and how God's plan was going to be, was going to happen with her. God connects Mary's life to what existed in paradise. God connected Mary's life to what was, what existed in paradise. What that means is the plan of God already existed before the angel came. And the angel came to make an announcement. God sent an angel to make a divine announcement to Mary. As soon as, she, as he spoke, the Father's will, the Father's will entered her life. The substance of the word of God, of hope and faith, entered into her heart. Did she understand it? No. God revealed his plan by letting her know what and how it was going to happen. He said the Holy Spirit would descend and actuate the birth of the word in Mary's womb. 
Mary didn't understand it. But her response was, be it unto me according to your word. And the angel, Mar and, the angel, the angel and Mary coalesced. He joined himself to her, listen to this, in a conversation that fused the word of God in Mary's heart. This is how God works. When revelation comes, there's a fusing going on in your life. At that moment, Mary came into an agreement, an agreed commitment <clears throat> with what the word of the messenger So she, this is, this is important. This is God in your life. She was ushered into a commitment that she knew nothing about. Isn't that amazing? What she was told never happened before in history. There was no existing precedence or knowledge in human history that she could humanly fall back on in order to understand what was presented to her. She was ushered into what she did not know and understand. She, she deliberated in her heart, how can this be? How can this mandate ever happen? And you may be there. God may have put something in your heart and you're wondering, how will this ever be? When will it happen? How will it happen? Well, I'll tell you what. If God put it there, it will happen. Why? Because he started everything, and he's going to end everything, and we're walking with him in time until we get there. And therefore, as we walk with him, remember this, as we walk with him, we walk in his supremacy, we walk in his sovereignty, and we walk in his divine ability. Pastor David, could you come? I would like us to close with the Lord's Prayer. I think, I think it's appropriate for us. <clears throat> My throat is kind of dry. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week.